This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hello, traders, and welcome to the best of the Limit Up podcast, 2019 edition, part one. That's numero uno. Uh, we've rounded up some of our most popular segments and interviews in the past year for your joyous holiday consumption. But this intro, my friend, it is no rerun. As we speak, it's Wednesday, December 18th, and uh, we're here in the studio. I'm Jack Pelzer. I'm Dan Hodgman. Hello, Dan. Uh, before we uh, kick it over to the clips, Dan, I have a very special announcement to make. Uh-oh. Yeah, you ready for this? Let's hear it. All right. We are giving out 10. One zero. 10 100 that's 100 ooh 10 100 amazon gift cards where do i sign up i'll tell you exactly where <laughs> we're giving these 10 gift cards to 10 random listeners who complete our listener survey which is only 10 questions and hey it's just there to make this show better than it is currently where you're going to go to do that is you're going to go to topsteptrader.com/ I always confuse backslash and forward slash. I was just going to ask, is it a backslash or a forward slash? At the end of a URL like that, I think it's a backslash. So we'll say it like this. The one that's usually there, all right? <laughs> so topsuptrader.com backslash listener survey. That's topsuptrader.com slash listener survey. And uh, Dan, what's that URL again? topsuptrader.com backslash listener survey. There it is. All you're going to need to do there is fill out our 10 multiple choice questions, and you're entered right away to a drawing in which we will give out those 10 gift cards, which is a screaming deal. I'll tell you that much. Absolutely. And I can't stress it enough. Do the survey. At the end of the day, we all like find we find podcasts that we really, really like, and the only way for them to be better for you is if you answer the survey, you give feedback, you... Give it ratings. You you give an honest opinion. Let's make this uh, the best thing. Yeah, we can. we're all about feedback. I feel like we're doing one of those uh, PBS listener drives right now. <laughs> because what I'm going to do next is I'm going to talk about the amazing things coming after our little advertisement here. On today's episode, you're going to hear interviews featuring Top Sub Trader Risk Manager Mick Aronimo talking about what to do after putting up a big day. That's good. Ooh, you're right. gonna hear spend it. Yeah, I'd say spend it. Let's see what Mick says. <laughs> um, you're gonna hear Ben Lichtenstein talk about controlling your emotions while trading. Really nice guy. Really interesting theories. We're gonna talk about uh, Tim Reset is gonna be here to talk about how to get back on track after a big losing day, which you know one of the hardest things to do. I know that's tough. Then we're gonna have Dan Hodgman and John Hoagland, aka the Hogue, on why it's important to take time off and a few different ways to look at the market. Hey, Dan, you're Dan Hodgman. Hey, that's me. That's that's exciting. That's pretty. <laughs> you should listen to that one. Well, you made one of the most uh, popular segments of that's the year. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's great. So, without further ado, please take a minute and do that survey. TopSubTrader.com backslash Listener Survey. Get your chance at those Amazon gift cards, and uh, you know, in the meantime. Enjoy a few of our favorite moments from 2019. Dan, happy let's, holidays. Let's hear it. I'm excited. Happy holidays. Now, let's let's talk about that uh, $1,000 a day and more. Now, Mick, you've seen this a lot. And uh, what should a trader do after putting up their largest winning day or let's just say an extremely large winning day? Okay. So there's a few things. So, you know, certain situations, you know, a trader puts up their, their largest winning day early on in the funded account. Um, so I'm going to talk about funded account. I'm also going to talk about, you know, trading your own personal account. 
let's say I'm trading a personal account where I like to maintain, you know, $50,000 in that account. Okay. And, you know, one day, let's say I just make, you know, 20 grand in one day. It's my biggest winning day ever. I've, you know, my account balance has now gone from the $50,000 maintenance uh, up $20,000. I would say, take that $20,000 out, put it in your checking account, put it in a savings account. Your goal, you know, every trader, the job, is, what you're here for is to take money out of the market. So when you get windfall profits, take it out of the markets. That is one option. It's a safe option. It means that money's not going to be in the account to be used as a cushion and stuff. In the past, when I first started trading, if I had a really big winning day, you know, say Monday, for example, um, Tuesday comes around, I made a thousand, I made $2,000 on Monday. Now Tuesday comes around. I'm like, Ooh, I, you know, I can trade a little bit bigger if I want to, or I can put a trade on and, you know, if it doesn't go in my favor and starts going against me, I've got this extra cushion. I can watch it go further and, um, you know, still hopefully it turns back around. Uh Uh-uh. No, I think the best thing you could do with your biggest winning day or any winning day, you don't have to take the money out of the account. I should say the, the thing you want to do is protect that cash. If you get off to the right start on the week and you make 2000 on Monday, you're already well ahead on the week. I don't care if you know, you're know you making or losing 2000 a day. You're up money on the week, and your job as a trader is to be up money at the end of the week. You want to have more in your account at the end of the week. Well, you're already a good way there. Now, you should start playing defense with that money. Continue trading. There's going to be more opportunities. You made two grand on Monday. There's four more sessions left. Maybe you'll find some trades. Chances are you will. Maybe you won't find some trades. But if you're taking other trades, you've got to make sure that, you know, if I make 2000 on Monday, I shouldn't be risking more than half or even 25% oh, yeah. of that the yeah. following day. And then the risk. following day, you know, I would love to frame it out. If I make 2000 on Monday, there's four sessions left. How much would I have to lose a day to give back that 2000 I'd have to lose $500 a day on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then I'm back to zero at the end of the week. That's one way to position yourself. Chances are you're not going to have four losing days in a row. So if you do that and don't actually lose four days in a row, you still will have money. But you got to protect those profits. Um, I remember when I was in an office with some guys uh, that were all, we were all trading. They all, we all traded for ourselves. And I was, you know, the younger guy asking the older guys, you know, you know, what are some of the bigger winning days you made? And, you know, and what'd you do after that? One of the guys said, you know, I made a million dollars that day. And I go, what'd you do with the money? He goes, my clearing firm made me take that million dollars out of my trading account because they didn't want me to risk it. You know, it was an extreme volatility in, in the wheat markets at that time. And he goes, I paid off my house. So he was smart with it. That wasn't a million dollars extra cushion he had to trade, you know, more contracts than he was trading or, you know, extra cushion to watch it go against him. He was like, boom, that was the most money I ever made in a day. And I took it out. I paid off something. That money's never going to get taken away from me back into the markets. And let's just go back to keep doing what I'm doing. That's how I made that million dollars that day as it is. Right. Let's take a look at the other hand. How about uh, what a trader should do after putting up their largest losing day. Okay, well, this is the real good question here. What do you do after putting up your largest losing day? Um, a few things. 
obviously you want to go back and look at what you did and why you did it. You know, how did this become my largest losing day? What was my state of mind? Where was I psychologically? What was the market doing? You know, were we in extreme volatility and I was trading too big? Okay, you know, shame on me. That shouldn't have happened, but it did. I can't be in that position again. I remember after my largest losing day, I called up my best buddy and I was like, hey, having a crappy day, like, let's meet up, let's go grab some lunch, hit the pool. I just want to, you know, soak up the sun a little bit and relax. Um, But (laughs) that was what I did on the largest losing day. And I thought about what I did to make that my biggest losing day. And I'll tell you what, I never had a losing day close to that ever since then. Um, It was stupid. I was trading bigger than I should have been. And I, my position had gone against me in the corn to the point where I was like, oh, Jesus, what does it even matter anymore if it goes another dime against me? Or, you know, I was just hoping I was just completely crushed. So I had to go back and think, what do I have to do to never be in this position again? I never watched a trade go against me that far. I never cannonballed or added to a losing trade. Um, It's okay if you're trading multiple contracts to, you know, buy as it's going against you if it's still in your buy zone. But I did didn't have a buy zone. I was just, I was flailing basically. But one thing every trader should do if you have a losing day and you're down on yourself, go do something nice for yourself. I had a thing and I had plenty of losing days. Anytime I had a losing day that bothered me emotionally, I'm not talking about losing a hundred or two hundred dollars on the day, but something that hurt, you know, I'd take myself out to lunch. I'd go out to my favorite spot. It wasn't a fancy place. It was a little taqueria and I would treat myself to a nice lunch every day because it put me in a good freaking mood. And I knew if I was going to lose today, I'd still have something to look forward to. Ben, talking about the tricks, tools that we can use to help us harness our emotions, all right, and make us do better. What do you use to help you get a desired goal? Well, you know, For me, it's really important as a trader to be able to understand trend and to to be able to understand price. And ultimately, I I think that once you can do that, you can build a strategy to try and take advantage of some of those opportunities that the price probing process presents. For me, understanding price is really where it all kind of uh, uh, roots from. You've got to understand price before you can make up or create a system. And we've talked about how every trader is an individual and their wants and needs and desires are a little different. So ultimately, that's where I think that, um, you know, if, if you're not really learning the nuances of price, you're going to have a difficult time learning how to trade just based on trend lines and head and shoulders patterns and breakouts and Um, Because there's a lot more to it than that. So for me, I think the understanding, the ability to kind of learn how to identify trend, how to favorably position with trend, um, know when I'm right and know when I'm wrong, having done so, basically that filters back into what we were talking about in terms of the emotions because it, it requires a less emotional approach towards trading like, for example, Eddie, getting back to what we were talking about, how we always used to say the joke on the floor is only you're, you're only as good as your, your last trade. So you'd walk up the trading floor, you, you had a winning day. Hey, you were a winner. If you had a loser, you were, on, you, you know, bummed out, headed home. And what was coming the next day? You didn't know. Well, you know, 
once you have a system and, and an approach that provides you that positive expectancy, like we were talking about, and once you kind of manage your emotions properly, a lot of that kind of ups and downs with, you know, close connection or personal aspect of trading kind of goes out the door. Because you start to see, again, as we were talking about before the forest, not so much the individual trading day or the individual trade. And you start to, to, to realize, okay, it's not only as good as your last trade. We're talking about you know, a systematic approach towards taking advantage of reoccurrences that occur on a regular basis. So while it may not necessarily be working out for me right now, again, as we said before, over the long haul, I think it will. For me, you know, that came from really being able to identify trend, the, the understanding of once you can identify trend, continuation is more likely than change is the way I like to think of it. Other people say trend is your friend. You know, that was another big saying that we always heard on the trading floor. But being able to, to, to work towards that and learn price and then kind of understand trend, figure out how to favorably position myself with it when I'm right, when I'm wrong. Hey, that all sort of helped me kind of distance myself or take losing trades a little less personally or manage them better and not necessarily, you know, soar with the eagles on my winning days or, you know, be down in the gutter kind of kicking, you know, uh, trash around on my walk home, you know, kind of ho-hum on my losing days. You know, it's just, it's it's finding the middle ground and sort of uh, um, minimizing some of those ups and downs and those extremes. One more thought here, Eddie, in terms of this idea, I used to trade in the middle and live my life on the extremes, I always say. I finally learned how to trade on the extremes and live my life in the middle because the alternative was too exhausting. You know, I was just, I was putting trades on, they'd be a little bit of a winner, a little bit of a loser, a little bit of, you know, and I, you know, going out and acting crazy all night long and, you know, as a young kid and doing all that stuff. And it was exhausting. I learned, you know, as, as I became more mature and, and a better trader, I wanted to be trading on the upper and the lower extremes, putting trade on away from where the market's chopping around. And, and I wanted to be, you know, kind of uh, a living life more in the middle so that I could have more energy for my trade. And it's a learning experience, to say the least, you know, this process right. that we go through. And then ultimately, what you need to do is is manage your capital properly so that you can withstand that long learning experience and the tuition that we talked about. And you don't just basically become one of the many, you know, one of the numbers of the guys that, that ultimately had to go out there and get a real job. You know, I, I'm a half king when I say, but, you know, ultimately had to go back and, and, you know, do what they do because trading didn't work out for them. So you need to be able to sustain it over time. And a, a good friend of mine always used to say, manage your risk, manage your loss. Profits will take care of themselves if you can manage loss properly. And, you know, these are all things that ultimately, you know, come back and old traders that have withstood the test of time, I think would tell you are really important. Money management, you know, being able to identify trend, understanding price activity and, um, you know, ultimately, as you've heard me already say, a big part of all this is the emotions too. Now, Tim, when you see a trader failing consistently, and that's that's part of learning, that's part of the lesson. Um, what are some of the directions and advice you can share to get them back on track successfully? So, some of the things uh, just. You know, talking with a lot of traders as I have the opportunity to do, some of the pitfalls that a lot of folks end up getting stuck in is uh, getting out too early. You know, get you you get in a trade and it's up a couple of ticks or it's up a point, 
they get scared. They don't want it to turn into a loser. So they tighten their stop too quickly. And then the trade really hasn't even gotten the chance to move away from your entry. It stops you out. And of course, it, it then uh, turns around and would have ended up being a big winner. You know, not having parameters set like a daily or a weekly loss limit to really enforce if I make a mistake or if things get a little bit out of control, you know, I've got these protectors in to limit myself from doing more damage to myself. You know, you, you mentioned starting a business, you know, it's okay to bootstrap or to hustle. You know, you have a nine to five job and you're doing a little bit of research in the evenings on your trades. And then uh, maybe you're trading the, the nicey open for an hour or two, and then you go into work, you know, all that's really good to be able to, you know, kind of have this side hustle that you're maybe the goal is to be a full-time trader, but if you don't have loss limits in place, things designed to really keep the focus on assessing the risk first, then like you said, you're just sort of aimlessly clicking around on the dome. You pull up your chart and you enter the, a, a trade in 10 seconds after your charts are open. Uh, that's usually a, a, a bad sign of impulsiveness. Uh, and then the, the last thing that I see a lot of traders do is change strategies way too often. You know, if you find something that resonates with you, something that you just look at that style of trading or that method and it makes sense to you, you can understand why it, the market might move that way, you can see the patterns, you know, really double down and focus in on that strategy you know, pick one market, one time frame, and really become a master of that. And you know, start on sim, really focus on mastering your method, and then you can move to mastering the emotional part of trading. If you're just bouncing all over the place, trying to manage your emotions with learning a new strategy and trading with real money with no loss limits, you can get in this downward spiral that the only thing that usually gets people out of that is taking a serious break, you know, whether it's a month off from trading and sometimes it's a forced break because they blew up their account. Uh, I've been fortunate to, you know, have instilled in me from the beginning. If you don't have capital to trade, you can't trade. So assess the risk first. Don't blow up your account. The markets are always going to be there. And so better to, you know, have a crappy start to the week and just stop and take the rest of the week off and uh, come back the next week with capital to trade with than trying to dig yourself out of a hole after you're in this terrible state of mind, you're frustrated, you're blowing every rule and that you've set up mm -hmm. for yourself, breaking every rule, and uh, you just end up digging yourself a deeper hole. One thing I will say with this summer coming, obviously there's a lot of talk in the news across a lot of spectrums, United States, Europe, China, you know, everywhere you look, there's a lot of news coming out. And so it's not to say that this summer is going to be slow and dry. I think we're going to have a lot of opportunity. You know, the one thing I will say is like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they are going to be normal, active trading. Like oh, for sure. There's going to be good trade there throughout the, throughout the summer, except for 4th of July week. I'm not yeah. even going to be looking at things. No, I won't be around either. 
No, no sense. Right. And, and you know, with my history, that's when something big is going to happen and uh, <laughs> I'll be away. But that's okay. You know what? There's always opportunities coming down. Absolutely. There's opportunity. No FOMO. Just because you miss something doesn't mean that there's not going to be more opportunity when you get back. That's uh, I'm not trading from the boat. Not no, going to do it. Absolutely. No way. <laughs> Enjoy the boat. Absolutely. Crack a beer, light a cigar, kick your feet up and relax. Absolutely. It is important to remember to... To do those things, you know, we all work really hard at this, whether we're professional, whether we're in a trading combine, whether we're trading our own account, whether we've been doing this for a year or we've been doing this for 37 years, we work really hard at it. It is important, especially when, you know, the weather's nice and you have the opportunity to, to get away and spend some time by a lake with family and friends and noodle salad. <laughs> you you got to take advantage of that, right? Uh, totally. I mean... You can ask most traders, especially when they start out, like outside of, I want to make a million dollars, you know, what do you do this for? Well, I want the freedoms. I want to be my own boss, so to speak. And I've always said, don't ever let the computer become that ball and chain of like, I can't get away from it. I'm not going to be chained to this thing, especially for us in Chicago. It's not like we get nice weather that often. Right. When we got summertime, you got to get out and just enjoy a little bit of sanity, mm-hmm. a little bit of forgetting about things. So when you're away for a week or, or whatever, do you ever just kind of pull out your your phone and just take a look at what's been going on so during the week? I get a lot of notifications. So I have a lot set up. But one of the advantages is where our lake house is, there's no cell phone service. And like, I don't connect to Wi-Fi because I purposely don't want it to work. I go up there, I leave the phone on the counter, and the only time I'm looking at the phone is like, hey, I'm going to call up my friend and see what he's up to, or I'm going out on the boat and I probably should have some fo- a phone there for music. That's about it. I really try and sign off as much as possible. I struggle at times. You know, if I hear someone go, oh, wow, stock market did really good today, I'm like, oh, I should probably take a look. <laughs> you know, but I try, if I'm away, I try and shut off as much as possible. Yeah. I'm going to task my wife into just making sure that I'm not on my phone uh, when we are away that, that 4th of July week and we're going to be out of town. Uh, maybe I'll be lucky enough I won't have cell reception or, or Wi-Fi where, where we're going to be. I don't know yet. But I've, you know, just to say, hey, if you see me on my phone, just see what I'm doing. Remind me I'm, I'm supposed to just look away for a while, just disengage, come back when we're, when we're, when we're back. My dad used to have one of his clerks change the password on him when he was going out of town. No kidding. He'd have a clerk change his password to one of his accounts that he had on his phone to check his position yeah. and to check what bonds are doing. And his clerk would change the change the password. And usually like halfway through the vacation, my dad would be like, I got to call him and just check out the password. Like, I got to get an idea of like, what's my position? Right. How are we doing without me there? <laughs> and he'll call and they'll be like, no, you're on vacation. Just Shut up and we'll talk to you. Oh, you know? that, would, that would just, I probably would imagine that kind of aggravated him a little bit. But, but it was his rule. It was his choice. It was his, his rule. It was his choice. Yeah. You know, it always cracks me. And when you're younger, you don't get it. As I got a little bit older and I started doing this, I'm like, oh my gosh, my anxiety would be through the roof knowing someone's trading my account and I don't know <laughs> right? what's going on. Right. And, and you don't even know what's going on in the world of the markets, anything. It's, no. It's, it would be unnerving. I don't know if I could be, you know, hey, uh, yeah, here you guys just trade my account for me. I'll be gone for a week. Don't don't bother me and don't let me see what happens. Right. That's that's faith. <laughs> that's why he had a uh, lot of guys working for him. You know? Sure. Uh, but you know the one thing I do do 
when I'm out of town or on vacation or just even as small as at the lake, I get the Wall Street Journal everywhere I go. So I get my Wall Street Journal. I will read that in the morning with a cup of coffee. You stay a little a little connected news. Got to stay abreast of what's going on throughout the world. I mean, there's something could happen that I need to be active for, paying attention to. No, so, you're on vacation, right? <laughs> it's funny you mentioned you learned this on the pit. One of like the first ways of reading the market I used to recognize when I first started on the floor is like I just knew certain people. Of the big wigs, or the uh, the big institutional guys that can really move a market, I mm-hmm. knew who to watch for, and like you could see, not watching the trades that they're calling or anything by that, uh, anything like that, but you knew if someone was standing up and sending in an order, you're like, oh, I need to get in the right spot to make sure I can be seen. Yes, you don't have to know what's coming, but that was just another way some people were able to see that market a little bit differently. Pit geography was very important at that right? time, right? I mean. It's funny, for us in the Board of Trade, in the options pits, there was no such thing as the top step. It was just the senior guy. If you were a big dog, you stood up You stood up top and you don't get in their line of sight. That was one of the first lessons I learned. Don't stand in front of certain people. They need a the few steps in front of them completely open. So there were just certain areas that a new guy would come in and you'd watch him go stand in the wrong spot. And I was like, well, don't stand there. He needs to be able to see. And it uh, it always cracked me up how that worked out. Yeah, they, at least they were nice over there. We just got smacked if we were in the wrong in somebody else's spot in the pit. Uh, I I witnessed one time. Uh, I won't call it any names, but I uh, some guy stood in front of my dad, and uh, he was probably the biggest local in the thirty year option pit. And some guy stood in front of him, and my dad looks at me and goes, "You you can't stand here. You got to go away." And some guy looks at him and goes, "Well, back off, old man." And uh, a little tussle ensued. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, you just don't stand in front of the wrong people. No. I, I, it's funny. No how matter how things, old they are. Right, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, funny how, it's funny how things have changed. Nowadays, everything's on the screen and you can kind of be your own person. And that's what's fun about it is it's especially market profile and the charting and reading the dome. Yeah. That's what you have, and you find ways to create an edge around that, and which I think is an interesting conversation in and of itself. What is edge? Edge is just kind of everyone has their own opinion on it. I think it's just create, finding a way to be consistent in your decision-making process. Yeah. In, the, in the pit, an edge might just be being able to buy it on the bid and sell it on the offer. Right. That was your edge. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people, they look at edge all different ways. I think, you know, for me, one of my biggest edges is I have – I think really good discipline and I'm very disciplined in many facets of my trading. And I mm-hmm. think to me, that's a huge edge that people look for discipline. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, to look at the market, you first need to understand who you are as a trader, what you want out of trading. And what is your risk going into every day of trading? If, if you can't risk more than 100 or $200 a day, you need to think about how you're looking at the market. If you've got bigger risks than that, if you have 1000 2000 3000 you might be able to look at the market in a different view than the person next to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is so cool about this industry. Well, you're talking about edge. The only edge that I can see anymore is just to to be able to locate the asymmetric opportunity half the time. It's all that's it, the most important thing. You can never risk, in my opinion, you can never risk more than you're willing to make, and that reward always needs to be greater. Otherwise, we're setting ourselves up for failure. It's a numbers game. 
keep the numbers on your side. Yeah, you you got to look for those little risks for the bigger rewards. It's the only way you can create sustainability and growth as a trader, in yeah. my opinion. Listeners, thank you for making it to the end of 2019. I hope you got your survey done. Yeah, get that survey done. Uh, we're close enough. I guess we're close enough to the end of the 2019. Um, we hope you had a wonderful year and that uh, 2020 will be even better. As Dan said, uh, remember to subscribe and rate Limit Up. And of course, take that survey, which is at topsteptrader.com's backslash listener survey. That's topsteptrader.com backslash listener survey. Or forward slash. We don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll try, try both. You know, one, 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 <laughs> one, one will work. The one that takes you to a survey monkey uh, looking site, that's the right one. <laughs> so uh, anyway, until we meet again, perhaps in the new decade or perhaps next week, because there might be a part two of uh, the best of coming up. But uh, either way, until then, namaste, everyone. Trade well. Trade well, everybody. This episode produced by Dante32. Futures in Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.